1: Come on, don't lie, right here on 104, Now 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. One of my favorite musically-themed days of the week. That's when Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. That one even had Harge doing a little karaoke. In the break, that's why I
0: didn't
1: say it was gonna sound good. I just said he was doing some hard karaoke in the break, he was really into that. Uh, oh, no doubt. That's how you know, uh, Patrick did a great job DJing a top of the charts. Today. Does this fit
0: in with your, your field the rest of the day?
1: It still does. I'm sorry, I, I, I got a vibe. I, I, I thought you were gonna have like some kind of tie in. That you had But I gotta say, I feel a vibe With the jams You put on today Even though There really is No connection at all I just think The, 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 the styles the, the songs And the type of uh, I don't know The the, the feel good Kind of upbeat feel Of a lot of songs Got me feeling A certain like kind it. of way I like That's it all. It's probably just My mindset more than anything But I'm enjoying it That's all I'll say I'm enjoying uh, Top of the Trust Tuesday, as I always do. Uh, you can be a part of the show. Specs text Line 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up on the uh, via Twitter verse Any Twitter verse. My man Harch is at HardbowHarch. I'm at Rod Davis and Patrick Davis, the real MVP at It's Patrick Davis. All right. Uh, we gotta talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll review the games from last night and try to preview the matchup tonight because uh, there's a there's some more drama that's brewing for tonight's matchups between the the, the Suns and the Clippers <laughs> because of the officiating oh, assignments yeah. that has been given out guys. Oh yep. uh, yes, the the uh the Suns fans now as have Rockets fans, before I guess. Any team that CP3 has played for, actually, you got to go back and this official in CP3, they have a history, and apparently, their history now is a hot topic among Suns fans. So we'll get to that because as they match up tonight, I like it. Let's review. Like I said, the, the NBA playoffs. They actually did have, um, I believe they, the ratings for the NBA's uh, first round of playoff games so far, just so far with the play included, it had actually been a, uh, it's a 12 year high. Uh, the NBA playoff opening weekend, I should say, across ABC, ESPN, and TNT, most viewed in the last 12 years. Doesn't surprise me because it is really competitive, but they got a lot of great, salacious headlines in the postseason. We've already had. Players fighting. We've had Russell Westbrook going after fans, dropping MF bombs. We've had daughters of players uh, trying to, you know, taunt the opposing team when they're shooting free throws. We've had, and now we've had Draymond Green, all right, taunting a uh, fan base and also stomping on an opposing player's chest mm-hmm. uh, and actually trying his best to rationalize. Stomping on another player's chest. Never thought I'd hear that, but it's almost like an SNL skit about Draymond Green. It definitely is that. It's just, no, it's Draymond Green went full on Draymond. (laughs) And uh, you guys know you can't go full on Draymond. 50, you go 50 half Draymond, that's all right. 75% Draymond. You go full on Draymond, then you can expect to get ejected out of the game. And that's exactly uh, what happened in this matchup. And the Sacramento Kings, guys, up now 2 0 in this series over the Golden State Warriors uh, with the 114-106 win in Game 2. It is the first time in the history of the Steph curry uh, Clay Thompson since their this era that they've been down 0-2. As a matter of fact, they haven't been down 0-2 uh, since 2007. That's 27 straight playoff series, avoiding getting in a 0-2 hole. Uh, but now that's where the Golden State Warriors find themselves. And they are the fifth defending champion to fall behind oh uh, two in a first round series the four previous defending champions who fell behind oh uh, two in the first round lost and three of them were swept man broke out the brooms on them yeah uh, that's the patrick's point about this team not looking like they have that that hunger they get competitive sickness right now about them mm-hmm. certainly looks like sacramento uh, they look like they're out they're out for blood yeah. They're trying to put their foot on the throat of Golden State. But these games have been there for the taking late in clutch time. Oh, my goodness. It's just surprising that the most clutch team has not been Steph Curry's Golden State Warriors. They've actually been De'Aaron Fox's Sacramento Kings. Talk about them. Talk about it. That's that's the surprising thing. Yeah, exactly. A- and I'll admit, I and I thought I was wrong about Sacramento. I really just didn't know anything about Sacramento. And like that Shaquille O'Neal meme, I'll admit, like, hey, uh, I underestimated your <laughs> abilities and your
2: skills. I did not know you had did, those skills. Yeah, I didn't know you had those skills. I
1: underestimated the skill, the talent, the depth of Sacramento. And like I said yesterday, the product, it's just a fun product to watch, too. Yeah,
2: it is. It's definitely something to watch. And whether they start off fast or slow, they always find a way to get turned up in the second half of the game. Mm. They can come out and play four quarters of great basketball. They can come out and play two quarters of great basketball, but it's going to be high-level, high-fun basketball to watch because they get up and down, they execute, and for those that don't know who De'Aaron Fox is, you are getting to see it on the grandest of stages. Because we know the games are late. We get it. We understand. But You get a chance. People try to stay up to watch Steph Curry. They want to see Steph Curry. He's a must-watch television. Exactly. So when you are on the same court with him, they're getting a glimpse of you, too. And you are matching shot for shot, play for play, steal for steal, excitement for excitement. You're not doing the shimmy. But you're making some things happen. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it all, you lighting that beam, baby. You lighting that beam. I mean, it's just so much fun because people are starting to see. I've been to Sacramento. It's not that great. It is not that great of a time. I played out there.
0: But you didn't get to see the beam.
2: I didn't get to see the beam. You, you know why? Because the beam wasn't prevalent. Because you, know you know didn't understand? go there when Chris Webber was there. And exactly. they they been good sense. And what were the brothers that were owners of that? The that, Maloof brothers. The Maloof brothers. That's what They right. wanted the ca- to move the, the team casinos. to Las Vegas. Yeah, they wanted yep. to
0: move the team to Las Vegas. That was That's kind right. of the long-term game plan. They were ahead of time. And then the NBA was kind of <laughs> trying to be like, we don't want people buying teams a team specifically to move them. That's not a good precedent to set. So they ended up, and it got sold, and now the new guy hasn't had a ton of success. But he—he, he, I don't know who thought up the beam, but that's great, solid.
1: It yep. works. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a culture, a cultural signature. For exactly them, that beam thing. It, it is really good. But they have, they've built this, constructed this roster the right way. You talked about it, Patrick. They. It, it was kind of the long game with the way they constructed the roster, too. Yep. Um, because I guess because they had that luxury. Like, nobody expected anything from the Kings. Not at all. They had all. the longest playoff drought in North American team sports prior to this season. So, yeah, not a lot of the expectations. And – you know, it it feels like it came out of nowhere, but this has been something that Sacramento's been building towards. So we do got to give them props. But yeah, man, they are a they are a really fun product to watch. And now people are figuring that out, uh, and I think that's a big part of why the ratings are up. You talking about it, hard? People are tuning in for, yeah. uh, you know, for Steph Curry and, and the star power and the celebrity. But then they go, "Damn, Sacramento teams! That's a good team. Well, that's a fun you, team
0: to watch." If you look into what they did this offseason, you should have known that they thought they had something. <laughs> because this was where everybody expected him to take uh, Ivy and yep, basically yep. trade De'Aaron Fox and say, all right, you tried it with Darren Fox. He's not, a, he's not a playoff player. He's just fun to watch, but he's not the playoff. Go get Ivy and reset that clock again in, in Sacramento mm-hmm. and go, hopefully you get that top guy and you can go play. They thought, well, Sabonis got hurt some last year. We think when he gets back and healthy that we've got some pieces. We're going to sign Malik Monk, who's been playing pretty well in this series as well. They think they were a lot closer than other people did, and it turns out they were right. So they had confidence in what they were doing and stayed the course when a lot of people told them to trade De'Aaron Fox during the offseason and take a- Ivy, who, I mean, was in Detroit. Detroit's just bad this year. Kate Cunningham got hurt. But it, they made the right choice because they were, their clock was a lot closer, and they're in a very good position now because you got that. You won two at home. You just need a split. All yeah. you need is a split there, and you're putting insane pressure on them because that's 3-1. Because yeah. 2-0 is not crazy. 2-0, you're going to one of the best home teams in in well, basketball. And a, a
1: team that's been a dynasty, so they know how to do
3: it. Yeah, yeah so you're saying it, it could
0: be it. 2-2 yeah. really quick. If yeah. you pick one game up there and it's 3-1, that is when you go state actually has to be worried because they're not worried yet. And if you're Sacramento, you know that, and you have to put your foot on their throat or, you know, stomp them.
1: Yep, 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 Well done. That was right on point. It was it, it was he threw it in there so suddenly that I was I was went over my hands. Like, yeah, oh! I was like, oh, that's uh, good. Stomp him. I you got know you. what? That's a perfect segue. Might as well just use Patrick's beautiful setup to get to the Draymond Green story, which ended up <laughs> step on him. <laughs> I like that stomp. That was one. To Kirk Franklin, I yeah, believe, it had was. a great song Bucky called "Bucky Plays stomp. It." Bucky, the, Bucky they plays it. They well, played. Maybe they should play that suddenly. <laughs> for, maybe they should play that in the uh, in the home next home game oh, for the Golden State sure. Warriors. Just well, they're going to play a, of, they're gonna play a lot of
2: E-40 because he got
1: thrown out, too. <laughs> E-40 got thrown Yeah, another salacious headline. Exactly. I forgot about that one. Exactly. A rapper. E-40 got thrown out of one Not of the thrown games. thrown out of the game. Every, I'll tell you, every series has some random salacious headline exactly. with it. NBA's doing really, really well. Uh, but here is the audio <laughs> this from is great. the game of Draymond Green trying to explain what happened, why he was ejected, and why he indeed had to stomp on an opposing player's chest.
3: What happened there? My the leg program. got grabbed second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. So you didn't really see where you were stepping. You just kind of- I, I can only step so far and pulling my leg away. So it is the- what it is. The explanation they give. I know they gave him a technical, then obviously you. <clears throat> the explanation was I stumped too hard. Uh, how hard was uh, that impact? Were you surprised that he was uh, on the ground for that long? No, I wasn't surprised that he stayed on that long. You said two times you've been held with Sabonis both times? No, it was Monk last game, uh, right on the baseline under the rim. So. Either you're going to stop it. Um, John Goble was looking at Monk hold my leg the last game, and he just let it go. And Zach clearly was watching my leg get held this game and let it go. So I guess ankle grabbing is okay.
1: (laughs) There are are about four legendary lines he dropped in there, too. Uh, I guess ankle grabbing is is okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the most iconic. Uh, Gentlemen... (laughs) Draymond Green, like I said, he went full on draymond and and this I mean nobody's shocked by this, not at all because this is not at all this is part of draymond's i don't know his he's kind of this is, this is kind of his its his, it's a bit, but it's also a part of his his basketball character now, yep. He's almost one of those Hollywood actors that gets typecast. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, what I mean? like he's
2: stuck at who he is. He, he
1: is. He's stuck in this character. Yeah, he can't get out of it. You've talked about you expected growth. I, it's so weird that he still allows his emotions to over to overwhelm him mm-hmm. and to get the best of him. And as a veteran player, you would think at this point because he is the greatest instigator arguably, in time. NBA history. Not an enforcer, because they don't have those anymore. He's just an instigator. But you thought at this point, he would have mastered the art of being able to do that without having his emotions get the best of him. Um, but that's not the case. His emotions still... They still stay with they him. They still get the best of him. Yep.
2: Yeah, they do. Yep. And that's like, like what we talk about. It's like, if they tell you who they are... And they reveal it to you. Believe them. Believe him the first time. Believe him. <laughs> he told you who he was. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna come in here and be that guy that is going to instigate and agitate and just basically piss people off the entire time. Mm. But at this time in his career, you have already red flagged yourself. Yeah, yeah. So when people see you, there, there's no benefit of the doubt for you. Mm-mm. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't go over there and negotiate when a crime is committed. They know who you are. So if it's, if it's guilt by association or you fit, you've been profiled, it's because you have given them the profile. <laughs> you fit it perfectly. He does fit it. So it's like, come on, man. Get it figured out, man. Get it figured out because your team needed you. And you let them down. They were right there. You had a chance to win. You already know how tough it's been for you on the road this season. And for you to be in the thick of it and you failed your team, that's on you, man. And now they're tired of it because you've been on a team where this guy's like, man, this dude is good, but he's annoying. He's annoying as hell, but he's on our team and he's good. So we got to make it through.
1: But after you've been together for 10 years, and he started off the season punching a teammate. Exactly, that was like the first one of the first salacious headlines of the NBA season. Exactly, and punching Jordan Poole. And yes. now, yeah, the same antics and foolishness. He is their emotional mascot. I mean, that is true. <laughs> I like
2: the way you say. He that, really is. Though.
1: Like they, they, like they play with a a different intensity when he is out there. And Patrick mentioned also schematically I mean he does provide an element uh to the offense by spreading the floor and defensively he he's a great matchup defender he's match up with so many different uh players offensively uh but yeah when he he goes full on draymond and his emotions yes. get the best of him it is shocking to watch because you're you you exp- it's almost like he's playing a parody of himself. <laughs> and it's like I can't believe this is actually which, getting to escalating to this point.
0: Which, if we wanted to go full Draymond, we missed the the post game of what he did after everything, which is he asked the Warriors if he could get an X ray on his ankle because he thinks <laughs> yes. Sabonis hurt it. Yes, that is was that real. That, yes, yes, that's real. No, he actually went and got an X ray done <laughs> to <laughs> make sure that he didn't break his ankle because that's how bad Sabonis. was. He
1: commits to the bit. That was it. radio. So commit to the bit. Go He'd all in on it. And, it. To and this the bit. again,
0: yeah. he could have like it could have been a double technical if he would have just stepped on him. It could have been, it could have been just a technical on Sabonis if he just sold it and didn't didn't do anything yeah. back. It could have been so many things. And this is like I saw this play earlier this year and it was just because I was at the game. But Jeremy Sohan had a play where he comes down. One of the Morris brothers comes down and he takes a really good charge, and you're like, great play. But when he takes a charge, he grabs Morris and pulls him down on top of him, mm. and you're like, "Cool, well, now you get a technical foul and they get two free throws, and it's a charge." Like, all, all you had to do was the right play. Yeah, and yeah. you had to make it extra. Why do you have to make it you extra? Because I'm getting the head. No, you're not. You're not getting the head because of who you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. If it was somebody else, and maybe you're like, "Oh, okay," this guy, but you're like, "Oh, Draymond Green's being an idiot." Well, Draymond Green's being an idiot. That's who he is. <laughs> nobody, nobody thinks. No one's like, "Oh, he's tough." We know what you're doing because you're playing the exact same way the rest of the game. It's great point when Charles Oakley did it too. You were like, Oh, Charles Oakley might punch me in the face in (laughs) dead ten minutes. Like I know like I know that this could be happening. So then every time you come down the court, Charles Oakley, you were like, Oh man, he may punch me. So maybe you're backing off him a little bit. (laughs) You know Draymond Green's not gonna punch you. You're not Jordan Poole. He's
1: not gonna punch you, he's gonna punch his teammate. You're so right. It's why he's an instigator, not an enforcer. And I love what you said about if he just made the right play, it would have exponentially contributed to the success of his team. Uh, two free team. throws, yeah. It, yep. You know, I mean, it really it would have helped this team tremendously, but it didn't because I love the way you said it. The extra, which yep. he is, he is extra extra. Read all about he it. He is <laughs> too extra. Uh, because of that, he hurts his team, and you can make the argument that De'Aaron Fox, he gets. That's when he starts to. Kind of find his game. Yep. He actually would look, looked a little tired uh, prior to that stoppage. and I think it was like a five- to six-minute stoppage while they uh, figured out what they were going to do with the technical files and got everything worked out. And that's when De'Aaron Fox, he had 11 points in the fourth quarter, uh, 24 in that game, but 11 came in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, he's Mr. Clutch. And uh, Draymond Green, once again, I mean, I know he – sometimes these bits, they do help his team. They motivate his team. I do get that. Uh, This was not one of those times. Timing is
2: everything with the bit. If it was in the first half where your team had a lot of time to recover from it, it might be something good. If it was at the beginning of the second half, it might be something good. But you're in a position where your team is down four. In a crucial moment, clutch time moment, and you brought up the numbers. De'Aaron Fox is one of the most clutch time players oh, he's, in the league. He's leading the NBA he, yes. in clutch in clutch points. Scored. Right. So when you look at that, and that's what you're up against, but most importantly, you're in the playoffs now. We can't walk this off and let it happen later in the season where we'll rebound from it. No, your team is down 0-2. Headed back home where you've already played terribly on the historically bad on the road the entire season, and you had a chance to flip home court advantage, and you failed your teammates.
1: You failed them. Yeah, uh, that's why everybody expects a big bounce. expects a big bounce back game from Draymond. I will say he, he does have a great bounce back factor. After, but, after he has a very disappointing showing. Usually, what's, what's your
2: ba- what's what do you well, c- just, equate that to? Because really he's just, not
1: gonna score points. Not being a disaster hurting the team, <laughs> ma- making posit- more positive plays <laughs> than negative ones. And yes, you know, obviously being a factor in rebounding on the boards, but being a defensive factor. You're right, points. I don't know about that. That's not the Draymond you get anymore. That's a lot of added bonus stuff. But I do think you'll get a you'll get a Draymond focused with a better attitude. the, the Draymond with an attitude that's all about helping his team, that's the Draymond that's, you know played for it was a key figure on championship teams. for sure uh, the selfish part of Draymond that wants to be the center of attention at times and I think that's when his, his emotion overwhelms him I and mean, he forgets all about didn't he kick, the, the team and the situation didn't he kick Steven Adams in the ding ding yeah yeah that's what I thought yeah he
2: did that yeah, yeah that guy. maybe he grabbed his ankle and yeah may, and th- maybe that was his retaliation he's
1: move. got he's got a lot of those <laughs> over the years though but Let's, I mean but it cost his team during that time. But there are also times where that, that foolishness, it ends up helping his team, too. Was that when he was younger? It Yeah, it was and most they, of the time when he was they younger. were younger. The older teams I can't mean, bounce back like that. No, no, that. I'm not disagreeing with no, you. I'm no, no, I agree. I'm just saying I agree like, with you. That was, that's why it became his shtick and it became yeah. his thing is yeah. that it would help his team. But that was a different Warriors team, too. Yeah, that was I a mean, deeper like, Warriors team, and that was a different Draymond team. Draymond is the old dude
2: in the club still trying to figure out I want to tell all the jokes in the back of the corner and everybody's going to come to our VIP section. Well, they don't put the velvet rope out there for you as much anymore, bro. But it's but it's even Cause this. Cause you starting fights in the club. But if you want to go, <laughs> that sounded
1: personal.
0: But, oh my bad. And he, did, he did actually. He did get arrested in Michigan for starting a fight in a club. Oh, but, oh uh, my bad. <laughs> okay. But uh, that was in the off season. Full okay. circle. But, but part of this wow. too is <laughs> if like if you want to get those calls and stuff, look at CP3. CP3 is a dirty player. Oh, he does stuff God, like this dirty. all the time. But because off the court and because in press conferences he doesn't talk about it. Because he doesn't try to make a scene out of it, he just goes, "Oh no, I, I would never do that." And he plays the innocent victim, then he gets away with it a lot more because he people just go, "Oh, well, we know he's he's a competitor and he's intense." But you're like, no, you're trying to be a showman. You're trying to, and that's you can't get the calls if you want the refs to see it that bad. They're gonna call it. So do the dirty plays if you're gonna do them because that's part of your game. But don't do them and then be like, "Well, he held my ankle." No, 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 because you're still the idiot. Because yep. he, because clearly
1: a technical foul versus an ejection, you lost. Yeah. No, I love what you mm-hmm. said about CP three. The Spurs had a lot of a couple of players like that. Oh, yeah. Most teams have somebody yeah, like that. You know I mean? they, they were just very savvy about how they got yeah. under the opposing team. No, look. Team's I mean, skin. that's when
0: when you get a guy because I mean, look, I knew how to play dirty because I wasn't athletic. And If someone's faster than me, I have to be able to stop you, yeah. <laughs> and no, I can't no. physically do it. So I have to like that. That's a way you play basketball. I get it and it's but it's a sense of you have to then not try and make it as blatantly obvious. You can't have both sides. You can't you can't step on a guy and then jump 5 feet in the air to try and get the call. You have to you got
1: to do one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now I'm with you. It's a uh- It's unbelievable to actually see him as a veteran um, still with the same kind of antics and hijinks uh, that he actually had to, you know, that he basically showcases a young player. And we all thought that's part of him. He's just immature. He's immature. It's not immaturity. That's Draymond. No,
0: and and what's funny is is I don't know who he's going (laughs) to get on this Kings team because this Kings team doesn't really have, like, that guy. They don't react that way. Like, Devonta Sobonus is a more physical player. Like, they've been going at it. But he is definitely not a guy who is a reactionary, I'm going to start a fight guy. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have that guy. Fewer NBA
1: teams do. Memphis Grizzlies have all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got yeah. kind of like, oh, But, like, you know, like,
0: Steven Jackson was that guy that you're like, oh, yes. I can do something in this game. In the next three games, I'm going to own him. Yeah. So there's guys like that where it's like, you know, I, and he may come and kill us. He may put up 50 on us the next game. But he, he's going to be coming and shooting the ball 20 times. I know he is because now he's mad. I don't know if the Kings have that guy on this team that's going to come back in the next game and be like, oh, I got to prove it.
1: I think they're just going to try and win the game. Yeah, and the Kings, I know the Golden State Warriors are are a good home team. They're 33 and 8 at home, uh, third best home record. But Sacramento, actually, better road record than they have a home record. They're 25 and 16. That's the best uh, road record in the West. Say that five times fast. Uh, I won't. (laughs) So that is a really interesting series because, yeah, it's it's a must win, it feels like. Game three for Golden State, right? I mean, yep, we, we feel yep. like if, if they don't I mean, win Game three, it's, oh, it's a wrap! It's a wrap! Right? It's so a wrap! It feels like it's a must win, which is why yep. it's going to be oh, it's going to be a, a really, it's going to be a high. The ratings are going to be through the roof. It's going to be a highly rated game. No and don't
2: question. forget, E forty w- was thrown out. So is he going to so, be allowed to go? into Oh the, yeah, he's going to be definitely allowed in in Chase Arena for sure. He's going to be able
0: to oh, go. He's yeah, a, a Golden State he's fan. He's a Golden yes. State fan. Okay. I been so you know,
1: keeping up with E forty.
0: Yeah, uh, you and know then, how good <clears throat> this you know how good this series is. <laughs> is they're bumping Suns and Clippers to NBA TV on that day? Whoa! Because they're both playing on. Oh, yeah. They're both playing and, Thursday Coast, night. And, yeah, both playing West that Coast night, slots. but NBA TV will have Kings Clippers. So you're knocking you're knocking Devin Booker and CP three and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. Those are going to
2: the the B channel. They're going to the B channel.
0: That, you if know you what? Got
1: it. And I well, I don't disagree with it because, like I said, it's a must win game, and yep. you got a lot of star power. And I think they're getting a lot of positive feedback about watching the Kings. Yep. People are like me who've never seen the Kings are like. Man, this is a fun team to watch. very fun team I can watch more than watch. the fourth quarter of this Sacramento team. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, real quick before we get to if Ross. You right the day, if you stay up long enough. <laughs> you stay up long enough. That's true. Some of the old Bucky Godbo probably <laughs> missing some of that. I agree. Uh, speaking Not of. Not if you take Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> glad you're still getting it in. I'm so glad you're still working hard for the Bluetooth people. He's still getting it in because he's got Bluetooth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done there, Patrick. Well done. I got to send that in. Uh, okay, real quick before we get to Ross around the day. CP3, you just talked about the matchup of the, uh, the, the Suns and the Clippers. Well, CP3's teams, um, apparently, w- when he's played on teams in the postseason, when he's had Scott Foster officiating uh-huh. one of his playoff games, and Scott Foster will be officiating to the North game White. tonight, he is 2-17 straight up and 2-17 and against the spread with Scott Foster officiating his playoff games. He is 0-14, in his last playoff games. 0-14. That Scott Foster has officiated. Starting uh the most recent was
2: April 19th, wow. 2022. The Pelicans versus the Suns,
1: 125, 114 loss. And if you go look at like the 13 game losing streak, his teams were favored in eight of those 13 playoff games, playoff, uh those consecutive playoff losses. And there was a tweet Six, that came out
2: today. I guess somebody might have had a parody account Ooh. that it was Scott Foster saying, I can't wait to see you tonight, CB, uh, CP3. We we'll hope we'll have a lot of fun. The, <laughs> the odds aren't in your favor. They are not in his <laughs> favor. Can you
1: explain this, Patrick? You watch a lot of NBA. Is it, is it that, that, that uh, contentious between these two? Yeah, I mean. Is it obvious to tell that Scott Foster does not care for him and he does
0: not care for Scott Foster? Scott Foster just likes to make calls. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, if you ask most players, he's just well-known, and well-known refs are not a good thing.
1: I totally agree. Yep. That's a great way of putting it. Yep. Well-known refs, that means they make it about themselves. They're doing too much. And every sport has got those well-known refs. Yep. It's like, come on, man. Yep. All right, uh, let's get into Rod's round the day. We're going to talk uh, more spring football. I actually watched the spring football game again. i uh, got a couple of things that I noticed, a couple of observations, and we'll talk about that coming up on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn. I'm as mad as hell. AND I'M NOT GOING TO TAKE THIS ANYMORE! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, what you've done it doing? now. It's time
2: for Rod's oh. Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt.
1: Uh, welcome back to Ball right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, all right, we'll get into some Texas football discussion here. I'm going to be breaking down Texas football for probably the next couple of months, honestly. Uh, we'll talk a lot of NFL draft uh, for the next couple of weeks, of course. Uh, but Then after that, I'm going to dive deep, deep, deep into what this team could look like since I have my first impression of the Texas football team after uh, the spring game. So basically my wife will be upset that I leave it on the DVR for the next Year or so, I still got the Texas football games in there from last season, and she is not happy about that. She believes that you're need taking to- up all our space. I just watched them this week. Yeah, uh, this past, I had the deep dive about the deep ball, and I yeah. watched every deep ball, so I had to go back and watch every game, every deep ball, and that's why I got to keep the games for a little while. <laughs> Man, you
0: you were having you are getting into old people arguments. Oh, I am. It's too much space on the, it on is. the DVR. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Kids, listen. Like, what's he talking about? Does he know you can stream most of those? How stuff? many gigabytes <laughs> you got? How many terabytes you need? I do. I do. I still got like twenty. On the DVR because I keep old movies and stuff like that on there. I'm just weird. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. One thing I really know is in Spring Game, and I'll be kind of going through some of these concepts uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks or months. Um, One thing I really love that I saw early on, and I don't think they executed as well as I would have liked in the spring game. Um, One of the conceptual signatures that you notice in Sark's offense is what I call targets to motion. And I'm a big fan of targets to motion. Essentially, you throw the football to any player who was in motion uh, at the time of the snap or prior to the snap. And... It's become a real force multiplier, kind of a cheat code in the passing game. The reason I love it is because it not only gets your quarterback in a rhythm, but all of the research that I've done over the last three or four years about targets to motion in the, you know, at least at Texas and even really all across college, I've been doing Texas specifically, shows that the the completion percentage rises exponentially for quarterbacks when they target to motion. And last season, uh, I was doing the deep dive, actually, uh, in my notes about this, just doing some research. Last season, Texas completed, when they target to motion, a player who was in motion or who actually shifted prior to the snap or in motion at the time of the snap, 80% completion, actually over 80% completion percentage, um, with 10, averaging 10 yards per attempt. And a lot of that is, you know, Xavier Worthy, bringing him in motion towards the formation, Um, then running a lot of switch routes. Switch routes are route uh, combinations that force the DBs to pass off routes. Um, So you call call them switch releases, where uh, one of the receivers ends up with an inside, usually the outside receiver ends up with an inside release, inside receiver ends up with an outside release. Um, But that is made to try to pick or rub the DBs they call it a rub route or a pick route and so you get a lot of that in Sark's offense because you'll 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 notice a ton of bunch formations and it's of tight like I call it tight twins where the twins are the twin formations really close as a matter of fact you go look at the the long deep ball to Xavier Worthy the the, the, the one from Quinn Ewers he is aligned in a tight twins formation with Jordan Whittington Jordan Wington runs like a deep curl route. He ends up running a deep seven route. And it was a beautiful throw by Quinn Ewers. And and what Sark often likes to do is he likes to motion to those formations or to those different sets. And oftentimes that really screws up or forces, I should say, the defense to communicate. Got to communicate. Got to get on what I call levels, too forces them to get on levels a lot of the time. And what Sark is trying to exploit are defenses that don't communicate and that don't get on levels. And you got to change those levels as soon as you have to deal with a bunch formation. The reason you have levels is so you won't get picked or rubbed. So I get five yards off and another DB, he'll go play bump and run. Just to make sure you're on different levels there, mm. uh, and so that's that's how you kind of defend a lot of those concepts. But when Sark uses targets to motion, it's one of his favorite conceptual signatures. And I went and looked at it over the last. You go look at the last two years for Texas. Last year they were at 81 percent completion percentage out of uh, targets to motion and 8.4 yards per attempt. This was in 2021. Uh, 2022, like I said, it gets to 10 yards per attempt and over 80% completion percentage. So it tracks. If you look at explosive play rate, that's passes uh, that went at least 15 yards. It actually is your most explosive conceptual signature. uh, When you throw the ball to players who are already in motion. Last season, over 30% of your targets to motion were explosive plays. Mm. And that can be even more explosive this year because we all agree you have more weaponry, uh, at least with the wide receiving core, more explosive weapons with Jay Witt, a healthier uh, X-Man, JT Sanders now, not a part of the receiving room, but of course, uh, part of your passing game, and add Jontae Cook, add Deirdre Moore, add A.D. Mitchell. You're gonna have. I think this year you'll have a ton more target. I call targets to motion, um, because I not only do you have to weaponize all these targets, but if he's tracking, and I know they are, because they're smart over there. If you're tracking the numbers of success rates of different concepts like eye breakdown, you could argue there's there's not a more successful cheat code or force multiply for SART conceptually than his than targets to motion. It's it's been and if you want to get your quarterback in the rhythm, this is usually a quick game. Sometimes they'll target a guy downfield who was in motion. Um, oftentimes you'll see that jet sweep guy with an orb motion or that yep. orbit return motion. We've seen that before too um, with with uh, Xavier Worthy, Steve Sarkisian trying to scheme him open. So most of the time it's quick game with targets to motion. Most of the time, not all the time. Sometimes remember uh, the deep ball in the Alabama game to Xavier Worthy. That was targets to motion, but it was a deep ball. So they brought him in motion toward the formation, and then they threw it deep. So, yes, every now and then they go deep with that. But the reason I really like targets to motion, because I'm trying to emphasize Sark likes to throw the deep ball early and then work his way backwards in the passing game, start deep and then work to intermediate, then kind of work to the short game. I would like Sark this year to kind of work you know, uh, reverse that, right, to start with the short game, the quick game, and then organically let the deep ball come. I would say in the spring game, I think the first deep ball came probably with like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes left in the first quarter, which which means it wasn't in his opening script, I don't think, yeah. if he did opening script, which would mean like the first 20 plays. That would be a good sign because that would mean that Sarg maybe is laying the deep ball come a little bit more organically rather than trying to force it on those early downs. Remember, 50% of his D balls on first down. He's trying to set the tone early. And I was doing some, before we wrap this up, I was doing some research on the quick game just in the NFL because I'm doing research about the NFL draft. And, you know, Sark. you know, he considers his offense to be – a rpo play action pass but you know a pro style offense for the most part And we know now that's really a moot term it really doesn't matter because there are no nfl and college offense anymore they're all running kind of the same types of offenses the same concepts uh the wide if you look at wide receiver and tight end targets at or behind the line of scrimmage that is all quick game right you're talking about wide receiver and tight end targets at or behind the line of scrimmage, usually that's running backs who are getting those dump-offs and those check-downs. So these aren't necessarily dump-offs or check-downs. These are what they call hot routes or they're called smoke routes. A so smoke route is just when the quarterback takes a snap and immediately throws it to a wide receiver. Not even setting in his feet. Yeah, just getting it out exactly, of his hand. Exactly. And yep. wide receiver, doesn't he doesn't run a hitch. He doesn't even run vertically downfield at all. As soon as, on, as soon as the ball is snapped, he just turns directly to the quarterback and looks at the quarterback, that's your smoke route. Yep. So you're starting, and 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 this probably includes screen game, which I know my man Hart loves the screen game. Bring it! All right, you talk about targets at or behind the line of scrimmage for wide receivers and tight ends, and I was surprised to learn that in 2022, you're damn near at 14. percent of wide receiver tight end targets across the NFL at or behind the line of scrimmage. That is uh, the highest in the last five years that I went back and looked at it, which tells you the NFL, they're starting to look at a lot of their quick game, their quick passing game, as an extension of the running game. And not only using the running back with the check downs and the dump offs and the flat routes, but now they're starting to use the wide receivers and the tight ends as a part of the extension of the running game. And that's what Sark could I mean this number for Sark should be pretty high too this year. Cause I don't think your running game is going to be as dominant as it was last year without Bijan and Rojo. I'm not jumping out on the limb there. I think anybody could uh to jump to that very safe conclusion. It's gonna take it's gonna regress a little bit, but as your running game regresses a little bit, your passing game could exponentially improve. Yeah. And if you are gonna have a passing game that ends up being the identity of your offense because you're building it around the strengths, then you wanna insulate the pass protection with with different um, concepts like quick game, just things that will still allow you to move the football, throwing the ball, if your pass protection isn't holding up, that's okay. Doesn't completely have to dismiss your identity if that's the case, or if one of your wide receivers or one of your weapons is taken away. And this year, if they want to take away a weapon, Sark should invite them to take away a weapon. If they want to take away X-Man, please do. Because you should be happy to get the ball to J.T. Sanders in man coverage or J. Witt in man-to-man coverage or uh, A.D. Mitchell in man-to-man coverage. So the beauty of Sark's offense this year should be the versatility. Um, And he should welcome teams trying trying to devote all the resources to take one player away. But just to show you that if Sark this year starts to utilize a lot of those weapons on the perimeter and on the outside as extensions of the run game, the wide receiver screen game is going to be big. I heard Quan Cosby talking this morning on BE, and he said the 08 team basically, that's all they did. They didn't have a great dominant run game, and their wide receiver screen game was the extension of the run game.
2: You can learn um, from your past.
1: Yeah, Jordan Shipley, and he said, I want to say the number was, he said they averaged, man, I want to say the number was like eight yards per uh, wide receiver screen. Thrown or completed at that time Mm. because they were they were really it just they were really uh, great at executing that wide receiver screen. I remember it too, just thinking about it. And Quan Cosby was great once the ball was in his hands. So was Jordan Shipley to get those yak yards. So this season, um, don't be surprised though if that is kind of the route that Texas goes with targets to wide receivers and tight ends at the line of scrimmage, especially that screen game and especially the the quick game. Um, yep. All right. Well, we come back. We'll get into the e- NBA player survey by The Athletic. Uh, we'll get into who they think the most overrated player is in the NBA, the worst official <laughs> in the NBA. Uh, we'll talk about all that and more from the player's perspective. All that right here on Baldon Line. Wonderful, on the Horn. Don't lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, It is a Top of the Charts Tuesday. That's when Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Uh, You can always be a part of the show. 512-337-3776. I want to get to this NBA survey just really quickly. Uh, The Athletic provided this uh, NBA survey. It's a player survey. Anonymous player survey, by the way. Um, And they asked different players uh, questions about their NBA experience. Who's the most overrated player? Who's the best defender? Who's the greatest player of all time? Who's the worst ref? These are among the questions that were asked. Who's the most overrated player? Uh, When the players were asked about this, and I believe they had, out of uh, 54 votes, Trey Young was the only player that specifically got enough votes. Uh, To 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 basically lead this thing 14.8 percent, which is damn near double uh, with the second highest uh, specific player got uh, in the most overrated player question. Julius Randle got second, but other, by the way, had the most votes. Others voted uh, other uh, players uh, voted for other players who are not listed here. I should say 32 percent basically of the players picked other but Trey Young considered the most overrated player by those who were surveyed
2: for those that are wondering it's Trey Young Julius Randle, Pascal Siakam Jimmy Butler Rudy Gobert I think Rudy Gobert would be a lot higher right overrated yeah as being an overrated player I like him as a defensive player of the year but he's getting to that point now where he's becoming more like Draymond Green people just don't like him why is Jimmy Butler on this list?
1: Jimmy Butler because Jimmy talk yeah. about Jimmy. Who, yeah, who, Jimmy, who rates Jimmy though? Jimmy does. Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy rates. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy no, rated I, himself
0: because he is. I mean, he's what he's the best, the best player on Miami, and people think Miami's a a championship caliber team. So mm-hmm. if people other people look at that and go, "Well, we don't think Jimmy Butler's the championship top guy," so we you know people okay. seem to think
1: he's bigger than he is because he says he is. All right, I don't. I understand the Trey Young one. I get that. Yep. I get that one. Uh, the Jimmy Butler, uh, I, I, like I said, the only reason I put Jimmy Butler on this is because I don't think I rate Jimmy Butler that high. I think he's oftentimes un, like, underrated. underrated and underappreciated. But
0: uh, I, I think geez. there was a point in his career when he was underrated. But and, now then, he coming, and then and he's money. starting to go down a little bit, and he's if people think that he's still the same player he was. That's fair. At That's those times. And now you're like, all right, well, now you still think he's that.
1: That's true. And he speaks of himself in third person, I imagine. I oh, think Jimmy going to do, do. do what Jimmy yeah. going to do. <laughs> Jimmy going to do what Jimmy going to do. Jimmy going to grow his hair out long. <laughs> 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 well, NBA players ask, who's the best defender? 98 votes here by The Athletic. Drew Holiday gets 28% mm-hmm. of the vote. Uh, twenty eight point seven percent of it, right. and Lou Dort eleven point four percent. I like Lou so Dort, a big man. Big gap in between the top choice here and the second uh, most popular choice among best defenders, uh, Brook Lopez and Marcus Smart, tied with eight point nine percent. I guess the fourth most because they have other here, or uh, actually tied with third most because other also got eight point nine percent. And then Bam Adebayo and Jaden McDaniels also rounding out, I guess, the top five here, if you would say, because so Jaden McDaniels at five point four percent, Giannis four percent. Jaron Jackson Jr. at four percent.
2: Yeah. So and he was the one who won defensive player, player of the year.
1: <laughs> so they got him outside the top five best defensive players.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah okay. yeah sometimes you just can't trust the players.
1: Uh, yeah I don't like the player survey for the NFL. Yeah. I always thought they're yeah, they're in at my they're, point they they got emotions. They like Draymond. Let the emotions get the best of them. And so do their players. All days. right but let's
0: let's give you one that you will like this this one. Who in the league would you least like to fight? Oh, that's good. Number one, James Johnson, 41%. James Johnson, who's that? Wow.
2: Who's James Johnson?
0: James Johnson, who, I mean, I don't even know which, because when I think James Johnson, I think the Sun's GM.
2: Right. (laughs) That's James Jones. Yeah, but
0: that's who I'm thinking of. Sweet James Jones. Sweet James Jones. (laughs) Jones.
1: Uh I, I don't even he's know. He's an older who that guy.
0: Is. He's an older guy. He's been around the league for a long time. He's like bit. an
1: enforcer then. He's right. the one of the yeah. last enforcers
0: in the league. I thought it they would be Udonis Hanslum. He's been around the league. And so he's basically just one of those guys that don't oh. care and he's been in the league for a long time. Okay. okay. Steven Adams, number two.
2: Oh yeah. Twenty seven point eight. Yeah,
0: Udonis Haslam that. is underneath other and that's in the Joel Embiid and Giannis and Lou Dort and okay. guys like that. So that, but all those guys are like a couple guys said them. Okay, Stephen Adams and James Johnson apparently. And James Johnson, forty one percent. Apparently, that is a dude you <laughs> do not want to fight. If, if they no. put
2: that on him already, yeah, and nobody knows,
0: who and we he don't is? even know who he is.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's even worse. Like we don't know who he is. Yeah. And if, like he's he's getting that kind of, kind of vote, yeah, yeah, you don't want to mess with that dude. And Probably then you uh,
0: which current coach aside from your own would you most want to play for? Uh, guess guess who's number one.
1: Uh, it's either pop or like. No, I won't. Least want to play for. No, pop most. or Kerr.
0: Most, which would pop you up. most want to play for I'm other go, than your own? Coach. I'm
1: going to go pop or Kerr. Pop is one, Kerr is two. As I say, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's them two. They love pop and Kerr. Players do anyway. They say they do. They to say they, there's say they do. There's some that do not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like those servers. They say they like them. But I mean, 25% the percent that for that benched? pop. Yeah. No, pop, It pop. I, I believe. Players, they love to play for pop. When he posted, was it the Olympic team that year or whatever? The national team? Oh, yeah, it was J- the Olympic team. The national here's
2: James Johnson. Yeah, he got neck tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most coach you least want to play for? Oh, least least want to play play. for
0: Jason Kidd. (laughs) (laughs) He is on the list. He got five percent of the vote.
1: uh, No, no, no. We should. um, Oh man, what's the Bulls coach? What's his
0: name? That's um, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. This oh. guy used to coach for the Bulls. Oh, I know you're talking yes. about. Yes, that's what I'm
1: thinking
2: about. Tom, Tom Thibodeau. Tom
0: Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah,
2: yeah, Tom yeah, Thibodeau.
1: That's what
2: I
0: was thinking about. Yeah. 43% of the votes.
2: 43% of the votes.
0: 43% and then the other one above other, Steven Silas. People not a fan. Yeah. Wow, that's random. Why do people hate Stephen I mean, well, Silas? I don't know. Much? He ain't coaching no more. Well, that's
2: true. Well, the reason I, why, because they ain't winning.
1: I get, but Thibodeau Timidale, is notorious for, like, overworking players oh, yeah. and taking the regular season way too seriously and not into load management, that kind of stuff. He's so definitely not. He's, he's an old-school defense. Yeah. Like
0: we know coach. who's the worst ref, Scott Foster. He's I know. Yeah. A high percentage of that vote, 25%.
2: <laughs> the other one would be Tony Brothers, right? Tony Brothers is the of the best ref.
1: What? They,
0: they voted him they, the best ref. They
1: got him worst ref. At so eight, that's 8.5. 28%
0: says, says he, he is best the best ref. ref. Oh,
1: interesting. I uh, like
0: that. 10% on the best ref vote is none in various forms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Leave us alone. Yeah. Got five percent of the vote. Leave uh, there you us alone. Scott Foster, twenty-five percent of the vote for the worst ref, and he will be officiating the Suns game tonight. And apparently, him and uh, CP three, they got a history. We'll come back and talk uh. about that a little bit. Uh, also, get into some NFL news, notes, and nuggets right here on Ball Don't Lie, horn